Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information hey everyone, about Whitewater. Easter's coming now, up. I'm so excited this week's to share together. with you um, that we're taking you on a trip around the world to visit Sierra Leone. began a partnership two years ago with Sierra Leone, where we began uh, forging relationships with pastors and civic leaders for the transformation and renewal of communities. Sierra Leone has gone through years of upheaval, having gone through civil war, having gone through the Ebola pandemic, uh, all the economic damage uh, caused by those things. And we're gonna be telling the story of how God has been at work Uh, through people and through situations that you would never imagine. And I can't wait to share this story with our whole church. So we did something a little crazy. We rented out the historic Temple Theater in Tacoma so that we could premiere Journey to Sierra Leone on Easter morning. It's gonna be safe, it's gonna be transformative, and it's gonna be a party. We can't wait to see you there. legend of the Karate Kid began when Daniel LaRusso moved from the East Coast all the way to Reseda, California. And in the original movie, the first movie, uh, Daniel's picked on, he's bullied, um, he's having a hard time, he doesn't have a father, uh, he's in a new place, he's just having a really difficult time. And there's a, a, a man that he meets named Mr. Miyagi who becomes his mentor. And Miyagi helps protect Daniel at first and then begins training Daniel because Daniel starts begging, would you train me to know karate? I need to defend myself. And um, his when his training begins, Miyagi sets him to painting his fence, waxing his car, just doing all these chores. And Daniel gets so frustrated. He's like, I came here to learn karate. When am I going to learn karate? And all of a sudden, Miyagi has, well, what I'd call the Miyagi moment, where he all of a sudden starts punching Daniel or, and he says, wax on, wax off. All of a sudden, he's blocking. He says, paint the fence, and he blocks the kick. And all of a sudden, Daniel realizes in the Miyagi moment that he's been training for these moments. He's been learning karate without knowing it. And the rest of the karate kid, that the first story especially, is about these lessons that he learns, practices, uh, lessons that um, he didn't realize were for karate, were for karate. And then even the lessons he learns for karate he, he realizes are for life, they're life lessons. And uh, this story is really powerful because uh, there's these series of Miyagi moments where his eyes are opened and it helps him move forward, it helps him face the path that he's on. Have you ever had some Miyagi moments in your life? If you've been joining us for our series, we've been looking over the last two weeks at how to tell our stories on our journey with Jesus. And the first story is learning how to tell our story of loss. The second story is learning how to tell our story of of new life and let Jesus reframe our story of new life with Scripture. And today we're going to be looking at how to see and tell our story of God with us. So here we go. Luke chapter 24, verse 28. 
when they came to Emmaus, Jesus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. Now, up to this point in the story, Jesus helped them with their loss. He's helped them reframe what they thought was loss in losing their, their Savior and realize that, that Jesus needed to go through the cross and that God was, was actually delivering them and their people, Israel, from their oppressors and from sin in a way that they never expected. Verse 28, they actually come to the town they were walking to, Emmaus. And Jesus acts as if he's going to walk ahead. But they urged him saying, stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. He acquiesced. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, when he explained the scriptures? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their companions gathered together. Practicing love changes our perspective. There's three key Miyagi moments I want to look at in this passage because I think they can help us in our journeys to open our eyes and see where God is present and with us. So the first thing is their eyes were opened. Well, how did their eyes open to Jesus? Jesus was walking alongside them. He helped them with their story of loss. He listened to them. He explained scriptures to them. But even in those moments and in those stories, they still didn't recognize him. So how, like, what is it about this moment in this story that opens their eyes? I think the first key thing is this. Their eyes were open when they practiced love, when they practiced hospitality. They practiced what Jesus had originally taught them as disciples. Practicing love changes our perspective. Again, it says in verse 29, they urged him to stay with them. Stay with us. It's nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went and stayed with them. And then after they took their seat at the table, which is what you do if you're in an inn and you're going to eat together, you're having hospitality. This is being family. Jesus taught his disciples to be inclusive family. This is so powerful. He sat at the table with them. He took the bread, blessed it, and broke it and gave it to them. And all his disciples re would remember those moments like, you know, when, when Jesus fed the, you know, 5,000 and he blessed the bread, broke it and gave it, and then it multiplied, this miracle happened. All of the disciples would know the story of, of Jesus having like the first communion, the Passover dinner with his disciples where he blessed the bread, broke it and gave it to them. And in this moment, if you remember in the story, they were longing for Jesus to redeem or free Israel from all that oppressed them, the Romans, the sin and brokenness in the world, evil forces, all of those things. And in this moment of hospitality, Jesus does this, this known act, this practice, and it's Passover practice. Passover was the freedom moment for a Jewish person. It's a memory of the exodus, of being led onto this spiritual freedom journey. So their eyes, all of a sudden, it says, are opened. They realize, they recognized him, and I, be, I think they began to recognize this is a freedom. The freedom we had always hoped for is happening 
right now. Let's keep moving on this. Now, there's another really important aspect to this, is in this moment we see that practice, it pulls on our memory of the past, it brings us into the present, and a good practice also opens up a new future. So this moment of hospitality is a practice. It's something that they do. They actively are practicing loving their neighbor as Jesus taught them. Think of, think of like the practice of prayer. When we pray, we start talking with the Lord and telling, Lord, this thing happened and in my past and I'm trying to figure it out. Would you help me see what's going on? And all of a sudden, you're present with the Lord. And then as you're talking with him, it's opening up new possibilities for the future. Now, some people think that Cleopas is the Cleopas that's mentioned in the book of John, and he had a wife named Mary. If this is Cleopas from the book of John, and this is Mary, his wife, it, this could be echoing Genesis 3, where it says, she gave some, which is food, this was Eve giving some food, to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Notice this in verse 7, at that moment, their eyes were opened. Now, if you jump to our story, it says, Jesus gave food to the disciples. He gave it to them, and their eyes were opened. So this moment from Genesis where their eyes are opened because of the sinful act of not doing or practicing the opposite of what God had asked them to do, there's this moment with Jesus where he's undoing the curse, undoing the disobedience by giving food for them to eat as they're practicing obedience, as they're practicing love. And their eyes are open to a new creation. The old creation that has been broken is now being blessed and recreated in Jesus. In this passage, this could be a, a huge echo of what it's saying, potentially. Another thought on this is that there's a reason that the disciple that Cleopas is traveling with is unnamed. And many scholars think, well, that person's unnamed because they're wanting you and me, when we're reading this story, to place ourselves with that, as that disciple. We become that person, and how are we going to respond on our journey of loss and grief and the new life and our hearts burning with us, and then all of a sudden we realize that Jesus has maybe been with us the whole time. How are we going to walk that journey and respond? It could be neither of those things. It could be both of those things. What do you think? When we practice the teachings of Jesus, it changes our perspective, and we become aware or more aware of his presence. Practicing love changes our perspective. Now, you might not be a Christian, and you're kind of leaning in and listening to this, and you might be exploring faith, and you're in a, I think you're in a really good place because Jesus made room for that. In fact, he had a heart for creating inclusive families so that we could explore faith and we could move forward with him, even with our questions. There are some things we cannot know without practicing them. And that's true for Christians and people who don't yet follow Christ. We don't, we don't maybe know Christ on deeper levels just by reading the Bible or reading a book. In fact, you can fill your head with all kinds of knowledge, but if you don't practice what you know and the love that God has taught you to practice, then you can't know him at deeper levels, and you're also not going to be putting the goodness and love that you were designed to put into the world and help bring to the world around you. Miyagi moment number two. Their hearts were on fire, it says. Jesus was with them, and they didn't know it. And they had to look back so that they could begin to move forward. Verse 32 says, They said to each other, Weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, when he explained the scriptures? 
So interesting for Christians, sometimes their approach to knowing God and loving God and loving people, it will start with the mind and it starts with like what we know, which is actually what the Pharisees did, the religious people did. They would study the scriptures and, and know it and they would ask a lot of questions about the scriptures. And they'd have all these like hypotheticals and all these abstract thoughts, but very little practice. And Jesus kind of flipped that and said, out of practicing my word, doing what you know, just doing what you know, even if what you know is very little, you don't know the Bible very much, you don't know the traditions, you don't know the story, but practicing what you know, that's how you learn to know God more. That's how you build like almost like spiritual momentum of experiential knowledge. And and then your awareness of God's presence becomes vivid and relational, not just bookish or, you know, conceptual. You start to know God. And that's what they're saying. They're, they're like, weren't our hearts burning within us? There's this reality that their, their hearts could sense Jesus before their eyes could see him. Often our eyes have to catch up with our hearts sometimes. They felt Jesus there before they knew it. Many times Jesus has joined us on our journey when we didn't know it. And when we become aware of him in the present by practicing his love and changing our perspective, we're able to then look back and see even in some of the hardest moments of loss and grief and challenge, frustration or numbness, we can see that Jesus has been walking with us the whole time. He was there and we didn't know it. There's a great quote from the Department of Christian Formation in the ECC that says this, our individual stories are each part of God's larger story. The process of discovering and defining your story allows you, as a follower, to become more aware of God's faithful work in and through your life, in your memory. It almost changes like the reality, the memory that you had. It expands it so that you see it in its proper reality. This can lead you to be more grateful to the ways God has worked in your life, preparing you and allowing you the freedom to share your story and God's story with others. I want to encourage you today and this week to uh, get back together maybe with those people that you've been journeying with, your spiritual family or a trusted friend. And what I want to encourage you to do is to look back at your life and look for moments where maybe you see that God was at work, that Jesus was there when you didn't know it at the time. And maybe just look for those bright spots of God's love and care and maybe guidance in your life or maybe just his presence that was there in maybe some dark times. And maybe share that with your friend. How does that reframe how you feel now about your faith and how you look to the future for your faith? Miyagi moment number three. They got up and they got back to where they were. In verse 33, it says they got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their companions and gathered together. So remember, they, they were on this journey that started off with loss and grief. And, you know, loss and grief are, are a town that are okay to visit, but you don't want to make them your hometown. They are in the middle of this process where they're, they're seeing their, their, their life anew in Jesus when they realize that Jesus is with them, Jesus has been resurrected. His resurrected being somehow is with them. He's present. It renews their vision for their mission. It renews the purpose of their life. And so they 
leave Emmaus, the place that they spent seven miles walking to, and they run back to the place of the mission, the place where their churches, their companions are, to rejoin the mission and purpose of Jesus. So in this important moment of recognition, and then Jesus just disappears. He's just all of a sudden gone. But they're like, he was here the whole time. And they don't even know what to do, but, but run back to the mission. Run back to you know, what originally captured their hearts about Christ and about what God was doing in the world. And, the, and it's in this moment that Luke is launching a new perspective on the mission of Jesus for the church. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And we notice at the end of Luke, there's this story where Jesus joins, all of a sudden appears on the journey with these disciples who are in grief and walking away in confusion and hurt. And then he walks them through the scriptures, reframes the reality, helps them see a story of new life coming, and then all of a sudden have a a new story that God is actually with them and has been with them the whole time and is going to be with them. And then we see in the book of Acts, this pattern shifts. Instead of Jesus showing up in the flesh, to walk alongside people in their journey and help launch them into the mission of, of restoration of themselves and of others and the planet. We see that Jesus gives his spirit in Acts 1.8, that the spirit is launching the church. And now Philip is brought along the journey alongside an Ethiopian and reframes the grief and confusion he has with scripture and helps launch him into Ethiopia with the restoration mission of Jesus. Paul in the flesh meets people like Lydia and then reframes their grief or their confusion to know Jesus is king and then launches them into the mission of Jesus. And so we see that Jesus passes on the mission to us, his disciples, not alone, but in the power of the presence of his spirit. And in this moment with his disciples, I I love it. It's like they're having communion, they're They've practiced love and hospitality that Jesus had taught them before, and Jesus is recognized. And it's like this moment of saying, you can do it. I'm with you. You've got this. We've got this. Now, many of us have been on this journey of faith for a long time and have been through the ups and downs. But there's with COVID-19 and this pandemic that's hit, many Christians have been absolutely paralyzed. I mean, it's been really hard. There's no doubt about that. But I I see something in the North American church that I think is unique and needs to be potentially recognized for what it is. The North American church and pastors have unintentionally created a culture where we're here to consume religious goods and services. So we've created a consumer Christianity that focuses on preparing the path for people rather than preparing people for the path that they're going to encounter. Jesus takes the opposite tact that many churches and maybe the stream of spirituality in in North America. Jesus takes the opposite tact and he has been preparing his disciples for the path the whole time. Jesus has been walking the path to and through the cross for the joy set before him. If you remember last week, Jesus endured the cross, but he, he didn't avoid the cross. He didn't run away from it, and he didn't create programs to like ignore it or pretend like it's not there. He prepared his men and women for the path. He knew that they were going to have ups and downs, and even these disciples were walking away, but Jesus comes back to them and, says, and reminds them this was always part of it. And his presence reminds them that God is with them through the path, 
Every high, every low, every moment, Jesus is present. In the legend of the Karate Kid, at the very end of the first movie, Daniel LaRusso is trying to settle like all the issues he's been having with Cobra Kai, you know, Johnny the bully and all these guys. And he's in this tournament and he's actually doing pretty well and he makes it uh, through the tournament. He's right before the final fight and, and then he gets injured by an illegal kick from one of the Cobra Kai and he's injured really badly. He can barely walk. No one would think anything if he just quit and stopped because he's so badly injured. But there's a moment where, well, he has another Miyagi moment, and he thinks back on all that he's learned, and he's like, I will not give up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this fight. So he gets up and runs out and does the fight. And you guys know what happens. He wins. He beats Johnny. And it was, it's so unexpected. But the most powerful moment is that he gets back up and gets back into the fight. COVID-19 has hit many of us, and I think there's been all the ramifications of loneliness, hurt, sickness, real loss, real grief, financial loss, all kinds of loss that we've gone through. I think that Jesus, if we look into our past, has been with us the whole time. We're not alone. He's with us. And we can get up and get out and go on mission with Him and be part of restoring this world, healing this world. You know, we can't do it all on our own. We're not Jesus, but we can become like Jesus and we can walk alongside the other people on their journey to help them know that God's with them and loves them and wants them to be part of what has become the church. I love that at the end, they run back to Jerusalem, to the church, to this group of people who are confused, don't have all the answers, but Jesus is with them and they begin restoring a broken world. I wanna invite you to join that story. And it starts with looking at your past and seeing your story where Jesus has been with you when you didn't even know it. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.